I want to thank Research Consultants International for sponsoring today's podcast. They're a globally renowned lead generation firm that helps economic development organizations create real prospects. They've helped over 500 economic development organizations. Let me tell you exactly what they do. They facilitate one-on-one meetings for economic developers with corporate executives who will have projects soon. They can facilitate these meetings to where you travel to the corporate executive's office and meet them there, or you meet them at a trade show, or even have a conference call so you don't have to pay for travel. They recently launched a service called FDI 365, which provides you a lead a day of fast-growing companies that will be expanding soon. Their research has helped over $5 billion in projects get cited since inception. I encourage you to go to www.researchfdi.com to learn more about research consultants. As far as I'm concerned, they are absolutely the best lead generation firm in the business for economic development organizations. Call them now. They can help you create real prospects. Hello, this is Chad Chancellor with Next Move Group. Before we begin today's podcast, if you've been enjoying our podcast series, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. That'll sure help us out. We'd appreciate it a whole lot. Welcome to this week's episode of the Next Move Group We Are Jobs podcast. This is Chad Chance, the co-founder of Next Move Group. Today we got Joe Melvin with us. He's the director of business development for North Carolina Southeast. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate you having me on your podcast today. Well, I hope y'all can understand Joe today with his deeply southern accent. I told him I don't know if everybody had anybody on my show talks as southern as him and so uh, i just hope that you all have somehow our listeners have somehow been trained to to be able to hear southern and decode that into into a normal language well i'll, I'll do my best and if not we'll have a transcript chad and uh <laughs> hopefully it's not in hieroglyphics i just told joe i didn't know folks in north in southeast north carolina sounded like they were from mississippi and louisiana but i guess they do so joe why don't we start out with you telling these folks kind of what the region is that you work there for north carolina southeast yeah, Chad, North Carolina Southeast, we're a regional economic development partnership. For many years, we were only 11 counties. We've grown over the last five or six years. We're now 18 counties, so we represent 18% of the state of North Carolina. So geographically, as you move east from Charlotte all the way to the coast, I know you said you had been to Wilmington, uh, one of our fine port cities there, pushing through Pinehurst. I know you're a golfer. That's right. Uh, to get you here, maybe get you on number four, maybe number two to play, and then... Uh, pushes through Fayetteville and then right on out to uh, to Newburn. So very large, very diverse region. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that. Love love our 18 counties. Yeah, we're doing executive search right now in Fayetteville and we and I've, I've been, I've toured the GE plant in Wilmington and had a great time. I actually was there right before hurricane was coming. So I was like the one of the last nights where everybody had to rush out of town and I think it made everybody have even a better time, Joe, because they figured this was it. <laughs> yeah, the end might be coming, but uh, hopefully all our folks treated you extremely well, Chad. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So talk about really how you go about marketing your rural county. So, you know, it's probably not that hard to market a Wilmington, for instance, but I know y'all got some rural counties in there. So talk about your efforts to market those. Yeah, well, yeah, we do. I mean, we have uh, both of them that you mentioned, Fayetteville and Wilmington are our two large MSAs, metro areas, but 
11 of our 18 counties are actually designated tier one or economically distressed here in North Carolina. We have an expression that we dress all the children the same, Chad. So we treat those rural, and I know you're a big fan of rural America and promoting those. They're often quite the hidden gems with a labor force that is there, generally a little bit more aggressive on incentives. So they've got good property to recommend and to market for those guys. And, you know, quite honestly, uh, you know, they're hungry for a lot of different types of deals. They look for some of the smaller ones and then really be able to work those things well. We're able actually to blend those nicely because they obviously border the MSAs. And so they play off of that for a workforce and they're a excellent source of, you know, those transportation arteries also. Well, I spent some time two or three weeks ago going through Indiana, Illinois, and a little bit of Iowa, meeting with manufacturers that were all looking to expand. None of them were talking relocation. They all needed to add capacity. And they all told me they wanted to be in a small to mid-sized town. And so I think that COVID has exposed that the big cities maybe have more problems with that. And so I think there's going to be a whole effort, especially as things get reshored. I've told people I think this is a Super Bowl for the rural towns now because they've been hollering for years. Nobody looked at us. Now I think there are going to be people wanting to look at them. Well, I, I agree with you, Chad. And it's what I call sort of a ruralization potentially uh, of some industry and some things, uh, generally tax base a little bit lower, tax rates a little bit lower. Uh, as you move out of some of those urban areas. I agree with you 100%. I mean, this could be rural America's time to shine. We got a lot of them, and uh, they're hungry to get out and do some things and be receptive. We're out pounding the pavement in a lot of different ways, even through COVID, to make sure that they may be small in size and and not as uh, robust economically but they've got some pretty strong value propositions also. Why don't you talk about some of the recent wins you've all had there? Over the last six years, I'll start there and then I'll hit the last year when we transitioned to our public-private partnership model. We've done a little over 5,400 jobs, 1.1 billion with a B, 38 locations. Last year was a pretty good year for us, over 740 jobs, 128 million in CapEx, and six company locations three of those actually being international companies. So a nice little diversity of of, of aerospace, food, plastics, distribution and logistics. So a pretty solid year for the Southeast. So six years ago, you say you transitioned to a public-private partnership? Yeah, we were a, a state commission, kind of an entity of the state, and we got funding and had, you know, a couple of private investors and the state of North Carolina decided they weren't going to fund the seven partnerships anymore to steal a line from Shawshank Redemption, you can get busy living or get busy dying. (laughs) And so we contracted with a firm to help us do some private fundraising, which we were very successful at. And so now we are 60% privately funded through uh, about 28 private investors. And then our member counties also participate in our organization. So we really like this model actually better. So you're not waiting on the legislature to decide whether or not you're going to eat tomorrow. And the other thing is when we go out to companies and they understand that we operate like private business, because that's the bulk of what we are, it resonates with them differently, Chad, that, you know, we're here uh, not just trying to give the, the, the state numbers, even though we partner with them, but we think like you think. And the bottom line is how do you grow? How do you become as effective? And how do you make money? Well, we're going to have a lot of listeners jealous of that <laughs> who, are dealing with, who are dealing with only the public sector. I know y'all launched a new website this week, so tell these folks what the website is and what all went into that. I just saw it today before we, uh, before we logged on. Yeah, we were fortunate. It's been uh, 
way longer than I'd like to say that we had uh, revamped our website. We've been patching it up some. But today we launched our new website, ncse.org. We went into it with a goal in mind, and that is to be dynamic. And so we looked at some other folks' websites. We took bits and pieces of that. But what we really wanted to do is because you are trying to market such a wide, eclectic, diverse region, how do we build on those assets? So we uh, took one entire week to go and take existing industry photos, quality of life photos, anything that was an asset of our region. Uh, we incorporated that you know, using GIS planning. That's a prominent piece of what we have. A lot more infographics and, you know, just getting away from all that text. And right. so we, we really believe that it's pretty user-friendly, a two-click model type of website. Maybe it's award-winning at some point, but, you know, we want to make it extremely interactive and engaged with the clients with whom we're working. And I've uh, received very, several very nice comments already today since it rolled out this morning at 9. Well, I tell you, you hit the nail on the head. People don't like text anymore. They want videos and podcasts <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and you're doing a great job with that. So we're going to integrate some more video and some different things in there. It's about, we're always trying to stay on the tip of the spirit, Chad. I know, yeah. I know everybody <laughs> talks about that. It takes some money. It takes some time, a whole lot of planning and effort. You know, it is the global face. And, and back to your point about our, our rural counties, many of them don't have huge budgets, as you know, to be able to go out and do and travel and to uh, get face-to-face -face in front of companies. So they're saying, okay, your website is my global footprint for marketing. So we're always keeping that in mind. Our local developers participate in the process. And, you know, we're here because of them and what they need. Well, let's just tie that straight into, I know y'all are doing some virtual marketing. So why don't you talk about your virtual marketing efforts and how you go about generating leads? Yeah, so, so when COVID hit and obviously uh, airplane travel stopped, I mean, we all love to get in front of people. I uh, was getting on some webinars and talking with some site consultants, and I kept hearing the phrase virtual site visits. One afternoon, I was sitting around pondering life, and I said, the virtual site visit is a good component of it, but what if we broaden that out to virtual marketing? What if we thought about different ways, not only just of the medium by which we talk with somebody being different virtually as compared to face-to-face, what if we market properties differently? What if our slide deck and our message is different? What if we begin to think about uh, the use of technology, not just Zoom or you know, Google Meets or all of that? So we went to our counties and said, how do you want your properties marketed differently via the use of technology? And so they came back with some ideas and we interviewed a lot of people with a lot of different thoughts on how that technology ought to work. And so we're getting ready to integrate that within the next two weeks and use of the interactive mapping. Uh, we already have drone videos, but drone videos with 2D and 3D conceptual renderings on top of that. We decided that if we can't travel, we wanna have a perpetual lead generation virtual marketing campaign. A lot of that is, is working with Bruce Tackerman at uh, Research FDI. And it's really helped us kind of shape that concept just a little bit. And so we are already into our first round of meetings and just got finished programming a budget that'll hopefully, you know, put new opportunities on the table to a continuous basis as compared to just make a recruiting mission this month, wait three months or waiting for the, the phone to ring and other opportunities to come in. So our virtual marketing will, will gel nicely with our website, we think, and give us a different virtual footprint that we'll use virtual marketing as the vetting tool and then we'll go see them. 
Thank you, Joe. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners and be right back with a lot more with Joe Melvin right after this. I want to thank Location One. Some folks know it as Lois for sponsor today's podcast. Location One has, in my opinion, the best buildings and sites database in the economic development industry. And now that coronavirus is hit and, and everything's been disrupted, I've been thinking a lot about if I were an economic developer still, what would I do during this time? And I know without question. I would transition to Lois and get my buildings and sites as updated as I possibly could so that when we come out of this economic downturn, we're ready to go. Let me tell you why I like Lois. Uh, It is the most responsive, mobile-friendly buildings and sites database I have found. It's easy to use. It's just as easy to use on an iPad or iPhone as it is a computer. I was browsing around last week uh, on a a state economic development building and site database, and the thing, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work properly. You had to be an engineer to figure it out. It was too much. It had this circle you could draw to look at buildings. The circle wouldn't work. When I backed out, it forgot what square footage I was looking for. None of that happens with Lois. This is the best buildings and sites database I have found. I've looked far and wide. It is the most easy to use from a site selection standpoint on any platform. I'm told it's just as easy to use for economic developers, that it really walks you through inserting your information and putting it in so that prospects can use it. So I really encourage you take a look at location1.com. Use this time while we're down to update your buildings and sites. Transition them to location one. You'll be really happy you did. Well, I tell you, I think you're right on the cutting edge and you're talking my language now. I like all this marketing stuff and we think Bruce is the best at the lead generation. But I was in a seminar, Goldman Sachs picked us a few years ago for this small business boot camp program they do. And we went to a seminar and they told me something that went off in my mind. They said, this was in 2017, so three years ago. They said, within five or six years, YouTube will replace Google. You'll go to YouTube when your air conditioner breaks rather than Google because you're going to want to watch a video of how to fix it. You're not going to want to read it. And a little country boy from Mississippi, that made sense to me. <laughs> so, we, so we've been getting in all this YouTube, and our business is more than double. And so I think that that's just a prime example. of how I love the fact that economic developers are thinking that way, because you can do so much with this technology. And I think COVID's made people use the technology. So might as well now take what we're learning from it and, and really uh, compound it. Yeah, I agree with that, Chad, is that it gave us time to think. We were so busy out beating the bushes, getting on airplanes, trying to get in front of people that it really caused us to stop and pause and think, okay, I mean, we've got to adjust. And and I tell people, you know, if you want normal, don't look back. Look forward because we're not going back to where we were. And and that's that's a good thing as economic developers, as professionals. But the the beauty is, is that we get to define what that normal is moving forward. And so our, our whole part is how do we create an engaged experience and being able to, to look people in the face as we have this uh, in the platform. But I think also as importantly, can we set the construct that all our future meetings will be face-to-face via that platform as well? Because I always tell people, get in the door the first time is not that hard. Getting that second point of contact, that's the struggle. Right. Well, having a region that big, how do you all keep your partners engaged? How do y'all leverage resources and so forth? If we're not with a client, we're probably in a car going out and trying to understand what's going on in our counties. Our goal has always been to know their property and know their assets as well as them, Chad, so that 
when that call comes in, I've got a couple properties in my mind already or that community that would fit nicely. The other thing we do is when we develop any of our strategy, if all 18 of our local developers don't sign off on it, then we don't do it. So as we have traveled and when we used to go to trade shows and went on recruiting missions, we had them participate with us to go out there and turn over those rocks around the country and, you know, be able to tell their story and what their value proposition is or going to meet with site consultants across the country. And then like in our building a size database, you know, we were able to pass that along to them. So that's a seamless uh, representation of their properties. And it's just making sure that, as I said, that everyone gets treated equally. Some have more products, some have more assets, but what folks want to know, and we've strived really hard over 26 years now that our organization has been in place, is to make sure that everybody's voice is heard, uh, that they've got representation in the leadership of that group, and that they say, hey, we need to chase this, or we need to take this strategic path. We're always at their lead. Let's transition now uh, more into your story. So I know you're a certified economic developer. So, so you not only uh, want to do this, you you got a passion behind it. Anybody that goes and receives that certification, I say they, they've got a real passion behind them. So how'd you find this business? And just like everybody else, Chad, you grow up wanting to be an economic developer, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, was, yeah. uh, I, I had done some other stuff. I've been, I've been very blessed to have had statewide and regional jobs all my life. And I was working with the North Carolina Department of Transportation, overseeing a statewide rural van pool program. And as part of that is direct contact with employers. And so I was doing that in Raleigh. And then my, one of my good friends, who's one of the local developers in our county, called me up early December, 2007, and said, you still getting interested in getting in economic development? I said, sure. He said, listen, it'll be the coolest job you've ever had in your life. Now, the turnover is about every three years in economic <laughs> development at that time. Uh, so you may not be there long, but I promise you, you'll enjoy it. And so I said, hey, why not? So I left Raleigh, took a 25% pay cut, and came into the world of economic development. When you talk about passion, yeah. If I go to the grave, I want people to say the guy was passionate about what he did. I, and truly, I've gotten up for 12 and a half years and come to this office or gotten on an airplane or done whatever. And it has been the coolest job in the world because everything that, that you touch, I mean, somebody made, and you get to say, wow, I met the company that does that. And that's a pretty cool deal. And, you know, being able to get that certification was something I aspire to. And I know uh, having had that for a couple of years now, that's a badge of honor for me. I'm really proud and the organization supported me in doing that. And it is sort of a small group of people, respectively speaking. And, uh, God, that was a hard test to get past. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. We're going to take a quick break for a message for our listeners. We'll be right back with a lot more with Joe Melvin right after this. We launched a new initiative called The Movement on June 4th, and we have been overwhelmed with the response that we have received from it. We've already received about 300% the number of members and revenue that we anticipated. So thank you to all of our movement members. If you have not joined the movement, this week we came out with a board training video. It teaches board members why confidentiality is important. It teaches board members and elected officials what their proper roles are in economic development and, quite frankly, what their roles are not. 
ways that they can mess the economic development process up. Teaches them why economic development is important, what a primary job is, what's the difference in economic development and economic activity, and it should give them a better appreciation of the jobs economic developers do. So that's just one video. We've got about 20 in there. We put two new videos out a month and two new podcasts out a month. So if you're interested in joining our monthly membership program, go to bethemovement.us. If you want to just buy one video at a time, let's say you're interested in that board training video, go to nextmoveondemand.com. You can find it there. We'd sure love to have you join our momentum we've created by joining the movement. Oh, well, what advice would you give maybe young up and coming economic developers? What have you learned in these years that you wish you had known your first year that you had learned the hard way? Well, one thing I would tell them is one phrase that, that I use now, even with companies, Chad, and that is if the deal doesn't work for everybody, it doesn't work for anybody. And so be prepared that, you know, eight or nine out of 10 people are going to tell you no, but that's okay. Cause it's not personal. It's just business. And you know, there is no, in cap shopping, you know, it's, it's, it is that proverbial marathon, not sprint. And so just stay focused. And the other thing that I learned that I had a, uh, a buddy of mine, a guy named Russ Rogerson that's up in Morgantown, West Virginia right now, it was in Charlotte region. He said, you know, listen more, don't get so busy selling everything that you have in your bag that you never qualified the person or even thought if it was, was even significant to them. And we were catching a flight back from California one night and talked all the way back across the country about how do you, how do you just listen? You should be talking a third at a time, but asking those probing questions to get that information from folks. The other thing that I would uh, tell them is it is about follow-up. Even when they don't pick up that phone, even when they don't respond to that email, you know, politely just still continue to nudge that thing forward. And so if you continue to do that, I mean, folks understand your earnestness and you put yourself and say, listen, as I said earlier, it's really about helping your company grow and be successful. And if we're not the right area for you, and some economic developers think we should win every project, be in the hunt for everything. No, know what your strengths are, know what you need to target, don't chase everything or you're going to go down a lot of rabbit holes. Your tip about follow-up, I think, is very smart. We just last week, about once a quarter, our staff will do a little training where we bring in an outside person. And, and last week we were talking about it. And, and just general business sales, which economic development is harder than, than just a normal business making mm -hmm. a sale. It takes eight follow-ups from what uh, the study we did last week. <laughs> just in a you know, it takes eight different follow-ups. So I find a lot of economic developers may give up after number two or number three. And you just got to remember nowadays, we got so much noise coming at us at all times. You ever visit my house, you'll see I got four TVs for Saturdays in college football. I don't know if we'll, if I get to turn them on or not this year. I've watched it four games at a time. You got so much noise coming at you that you, you, you can't be afraid to be persistent. You've got to, and, but understanding that, you know, those companies aren't in the business of economic development. So you got to flex on their schedule, you know, hit them with, with what's appropriate at that time. Give them the opportunity to do some things when they have some downtime, but you can't jam that down their throat because they got employees to worry about. They're worried about their product or service often at that moment. I think that's been more prevalent than ever during the time of COVID chat and trying to be respectful of that and, but continuing to show them, Hey, we really want you here. And we really want to find the ideal situation that's going to help to grow your company. So, 
and I agree about the college football thing. I mean, I'm, I'm all in as, you know, with Carolina getting Mac Brown back, we were finally starting to get excited about something and may not be able to get to Kenyon Stadium this year. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I lost some money on y'all last year, the first game of the year against South Carolina. They were like a 10-point favorite. Y'all came out there and beat them. So I remember <laughs> that was on one of my four TVs at that particular Saturday. So I'm surprised I'm on this call then if you <laughs> lost money. <laughs> That's all right. I root for North Carolina in basketball. Drives my Kentucky fans crazy. And uh, <laughs> I was at that game in Memphis, with, uh, Elite Eight, when North Carolina beat Kentucky on that last Luke, – Luke May, I think was his name. Yeah, Luke May. Yeah, when they, I was sitting there amongst all the Kentucky fans, quietly rooting for North Carolina. It's quite, I didn't have on any particular color because I'm a Mississippi State person. But, Joe, as we wind down, is there anything you'd like to share with our listeners I might not have asked you about? I, I just want, want to say that, you know, it's folks like you guys, Chad, that are really out there giving economic developers the opportunity to talk about what they do. The other thing I would share is just continue to network with folks. Even if it's your peers when you go to IDC or, or wherever, Keep in constant contact with, with those site selectors. I mean, we're doing a series of webinars. They're, they're so available right now like they've never been before. But also, don't be afraid right now to reinvent yourself as an organization, to get aggressive. I tell people, don't think outside the box. Throw the box away and just think. Because mm. if the box is there, you might be tempted to hop back in it. I like that. And I never so, heard that before. I'm going to steal that. I, just send me the royalties. That's all I ask. <laughs> Thinking differently. You don't have to be like anybody else because you're unique in, in it, either your region or your county or whatever. But just, just think about ways that you can tell your story best, whether it's via use of technology or whatever. But don't fail to leverage your partners. I mean, you know, many of our folks that are investors in this organization, that they support us not only financially, but through knowledge and traveling and going places. You know, it's, it's all about leveraging your counties your partners, your workforce, all those types of things. And so economic development, as you well know, Chad, team sport. And so don't don't leave anybody on the sidelines who wants to be in the game. But, Joe, as we close out, give these folks your website one more time. It was <clears> literally <throat> launched this week, so it's best in class with all the bells and whistles. Well, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, actually launched this morning. Uh, North Carolina Southeast, www.ncse.org. All right, Joe, thank you for being with us today. All right, Chad, thank you very much. Next Move Group has launched a new initiative designed to both grow the American economy and improve the quality of lives of economic developers. So we're going to grow the American economy multiple ways. We've got all kinds of different ways to really help economic development organizations be more successful, including helping them bring back jobs from overseas in China, reshoring that production to the United States. And we're going to help economic developers improve their quality of life. So you always hear that it's the economic developer's job to improve the quality of life of everybody in their community. Well, whose job is it to improve that economic developer's quality of life? At Next Move Group, we're taking that task on for ourselves. So to learn more about the movement that we're creating, go to thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement, thenextmovegroup.com backslash movement. 